so in 2014, you were honored by Obama, I would assume, as a champion of change. Yes. Um, so what, oh my God, like, first of all, that's incredible. Like, what an absolute honor. What was that experience like for you? Um, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> another episode of chapter 20 something with me kylie mcdonald i hope you're having a wonderful day if it's tuesday whatever day you're listening to this i don't know your life but i hope you're having a good one so last week i said i was thinking about going brunette and guess what i did it i did my hair is so dark so damn dark oh my god but i'm really happy with it I feel like a new woman, you know? Every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, Sam, who is she? You know? <laughs> but it's so weird. Like, I really look different. I walked into my parents' house after, and my brother was like, oh, I didn't recognize you. I'm like, oh my god, like, this is really different. But, um, I don't know. It's cool. That's a, It's fun. Like, it's nice to have a little change like that every once in a while. Even, like, I promise nothing bad is happening in my life, but I'm like, yeah. We all could use a little change, especially, uh, I shouldn't even say especially this year because I think we've had enough change. I don't, I don't know. Nah, I think we could all just use some of the same old things we all know, you know? Oh my god. Can't wait to get back to presidented times. Let's, let's get there. I don't know when that's gonna be, but movie theaters can open now in New York and I'm so excited about that. I don't know what I'm gonna see. I don't know what movies are even out right now because they all got pushed back till next year, but um, I'll just go see some random movie and just be happy to be there. I can't wait to do that again and spend a crazy amount on Junior Mints and a Blue Raspberry Slushie. <laughs> That's my movie theater go-to. What's yours? Comment below. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I need to bring something up. Guys, if you're out at a bar or a club, even if you're sitting down like we all are right now, um, if the song Savage comes on or another popular TikTok song, you don't need to do the dance at the bar. We all know the dance. We all know you think you look great doing the dance. But I'm just saying, you know... I don't think you need to be doing the dance. <laughs> I was talking about this with my friend last night, like just looking around and it's so odd. Like everybody's in their seats going like classy, bullshit, ratchet and like doing the dance. But I don't know, like TikTok dances have just become like so ingrained in our culture, I guess, which is cool. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, People just start doing them wherever they are. The song comes on, like, 
little kid in the grocery store just starts breaking out into like shake that laugh it tap it you know whatever it is um it's funny it's funny I don't know I shouldn't say don't do the dance if you want to do the dance do the dance I'm not gonna be doing the dance but you do the dance (laughs) anyway oh my god my dog Zayden is 15 years old today that is crazy literally got her for christmas when i was in fifth grade and she's still kicking she can't hear she can't hear anything but she's still healthy and running around besides that i mean she can hear but you literally have to scream at her to get her attention (laughs) so you know i just love love to make fun of her a little bit but she's doing good yeah, and they still have one of the foster puppies, my family does, and my mom sent me a text the other day that said, I don't know why I just love this dog so much. I'm like, mom, you're keeping that dog. Like, stop saying that you're not going to keep it because because that's your new child. We know it's going to be a few years at least before there are any grandkids in the picture, so you know what? Let this little foster puppy have its day. Ow, I have something in my eye. Ow. Okay. Today on the show, we have Jesus R. This man is so accomplished and has such a great grasp on his morals and values. And just hearing his story and hear how he's contributing to the world every day through his, through his creative endeavors and his work is just beyond inspiring and, uh, so so intriguing to listen to so yeah go I mean guys go listen to him just wait like 30 seconds and you will um yeah no he's so cool to talk to I got the shirt art over algorithms that he sent me and it's awesome I love the saying I love the shirt I was so happy to get that in the mail um I can't wait for his film Suicide Saint to come out um to support that and obviously just get to enjoy his his work. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. I know you will. Follow the podcast on Instagram at chapter 20 something pod. Follow me official Kylie McDonald and follow our guest at Jesus R. And other than that, enjoy the episode. Let me know what you think. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that good stuff. And I will talk to you guys next week. All right. Have a good one. Bye. Today, we have an amazing guest with just an incredible background, an incredible story. We have Jesus R. Please welcome him to the show. He is a filmmaker. He is a director. He is a brand creator, and he's just making incredible work in this world. So thank you for taking the time today, Jesus, and welcome. Thank you, Kylie. It's a pleasure to be here. Of course, of course. So first of all, how are you doing in this crazy, crazy time right now? Uh, I'm managing. I mean, we, we've had some personal uh, losses, friends and family members. Oh, I'm members. sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, but I'm sure everybody's been impacted. But, you know, career-wise, uh, business-wise, it, it hasn't affected me because I'm making movies and I'm not shooting, right? For some people who are in the middle of shooting, their, their productions got delayed but since I've been in pre-production and we hadn't planned to shoot to the fall of this year anyway. It hasn't affected me in any way in that matter because we, we've all been working remotely anyway. 
in terms of doing pre-production, our department, you know, making changes to the script. So yeah, I've been pretty good. Just trying to stay focused on, on maintaining a positive energy and, and inspiring other people around me to kind of have some more hope and faith and get through these difficult times. Exactly. And the, it seems what draws me to you is it seems that all your projects really focus on creating a positive change or getting an important message out there. And I think for anybody in the entertainment industry, like myself included, like that's what I aspire to do. And I think it can be hard for people who are, once they get into the career path of it, they either want to like make the next biggest thing or like get the newest name on their project. You know, not that those things aren't great, but you seem to be really focused on the message that your stories create. Would you agree? Absolutely. My, my entire career, I've always been focused on social impact, no matter if I'm doing something in advertising, music videos, films, you know, any type of creative, I always look for that angle to create something that's positive and inspiring and also kind of veering away from the money, right? If you do something you're passionate about and you do it with such excellence and at a high level, the money will come. But I think a lot of people get caught up and put in the money first. And mm -hmm. I feel like that dilutes the intention of the art when everything is profit driven. Uh, and like you said, you know, putting the, the newest name or, you know, the biggest thing, I think that defeats the purpose of art itself. You know, art isn't about money. Art is about expression. Art is about beauty. It's about creating something that people can be inspired by and something that in itself promotes social good to help society. So Absolutely. the arts have kind of got dragged into commerce and now the film industry is a machine, the music industry is a machine, all these different things are, are profit driven and they just become another aspect of society that's, you know, in this equation of power and corruption. And, and then with that comes negativity. And there's a, there's a lot of different factors that, that I think pervert the art itself and impact society in a negative way. Sure. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having that mindset and being able to create projects that really focus on positive change and social impact. So what inspired you to start a career in, in that field with that goal? It's, it's funny because I didn't know I'd have this type of career and I, didn't, and I didn't even think that I was talented at where I could be talented at filmmaking. It was more out of a need to serve a purpose that I developed this show you know it was started out as a public access show called eye on it and it was just to help local people in the community get out of the streets and do something different oh wow and okay in the process of making that i discovered that this is something that i picked up naturally but was really good at it like I, I excelled at it very quickly and then i did more direct means of giving back i found an organization called guns for cameras where we're then getting guns off the streets and giving kids video cameras you know fast forward to mm. last year 2019 now everybody's a filmmaker and we have YouTube and content creators. And then for me, the objective change from getting people to just become filmmakers to now being filmmakers and nurturing responsible voices so that the content they're creating follows with the path that I've chosen. Because I feel like that's the only way we're gonna be able to change society because film is, is the ultimate influence over our self-identity, how we see ourselves, how we see each other. Even from childhood, you know, little kids watching cartoons, they get all their social cues and behaviors and you know, learn their engagement based off of what they see on a screen. For millennials, for teenagers, then the influence comes through music. So there's di different areas of, of the content that we consume impacts our lives definitively. It's not just like, hey, this is a separate thing and it's, it's just entertaining. No, this establishes our social norms of how we treat each other and what's appropriate to say to a woman or how it's 
appropriate to address a person, you know, all these different things, how I came about it. I didn't have the intention to be a filmmaker, but because it started with the need serving a need first, then I discovered this talent did serve the purpose. And then, and then it just grew into a greater understanding and, and use of my talents and a purpose for me in life. So. Wow. Well, that's, that's amazing. And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, if there's a kid or a teenager, probably more specifically, who even if they can't talk to somebody in their life about what they are going through, when, no matter what it is, they're going to turn to the media to know how to handle that situation. And there needs to be a responsibility from people in entertainment and in the media, the people who are creating what we see, what we take in to make sure it's good and responsible and things that, you know, we can use to, you know, help each other and help our minds, you know, just for, you know, mental health, which obviously we'll get into more with um, your latest project. But yeah, the fact that that's your number one mission, we need more of that 100%. So you yourself have a very interesting story. So first of all, you didn't start out as a filmmaker. What age would you say that was for you? Uh, 22. 22. Okay. Um, so what were you, what was your story before that? Where did you grow up? What was life like? For the most part, I grew up in New York. I traveled around a bit. I was back and forth to uh, South America having, you know, family down there. And I, I was spent a couple of years down in, in Houston, Houston, Texas. Uh, but I was, I was caught up in all the wrong things and a lifestyle and an environment and a peer group of, of people who um, weren't doing any good and didn't have good intentions. And, you know, that, that kind of attitude and mentality definitely caught up with me. Um, I don't know. It was just, it, I never imagined that I would be where I am today. And I, and I feel like that's the same reason why I have to always give back and to connect with other youth who come from adversity and have disadvantage or have, who aren't focused on maybe the best things in life or don't, or don't have the, the hope for themselves. So for me, it's always important that, I make that connection and say, look, this is, how, this is what I come from and I made it here. So you can absolutely make it here as well. Yeah. It's important for people to see like, you know, if I could do it, like you could do it too. 100%. So what, what would you say was the turning point in your life where you were like, you know what, I'm around these people. I know I could be better than this. I know I could be in better situations. Like what helped you to turn into a better lifestyle for you? Well, I don't think it was about changing the lifestyle for myself as much as for my community and the overall mindset. I just, okay. I just felt like, you know, I was seeing this, this trap that we were killing each other mm. and nobody really cared and trying to get to understanding why we didn't care about that and why we were so conditioned to have a certain mindset. Um, so my initial goal was just to kind of change that within my community, not, not even thinking about where it would take me Yeah. Uh, because you know, after I was shot, I just felt like it was a miracle that I, that I survived and I was still alive. And then any time after that was just bonus time, right? It was wow. like, it yeah. was like uh, extra innings, <laughs> like overtime. Like, you know, I, I had lived a very fulfilled life, you know, despite the adversity, I really, um, I was cool with where I was at. I was complacent, right? I didn't mm. have any further ambitions than the environment that I was in. So at that point, there was there was no need for me to elevate my life, right? Gotcha. The world that yeah. I was in, I just felt like this is what it is and I'm cool with this. And, you know, this is the mindset or the ego that we all tap into of just our day to day. You know, when you start to travel and you start to learn new things and you get a bigger view of the world, you, you go from that, you know, that one block mentality to 
man, life is, there's so much more to life. Mm-hmm. Why, why are we trapped, right? That's why I call it trap music. Like you're just trapped in this, this environment. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't just like one moment. I, I, I guess it was a culmination of a lot of different things and, and realization and just seeing other people uh, getting killed after I had, you know, some near-death experiences. It just, there's something inside me just started to develop this uh, compassion for other people. Absolutely. That, well, you know, that's the most you could ask for, for some, like having an experience or experiences like you've had, just being like, you know what? No, I'm going to take my life and do something good with it. Right. Yeah. So after that, you started getting into filmmaking and trying to make change in your community. Um, So you said your first project was, what was the name of it again? I'm sorry. I on it. I on it. Oh, I on it. Gotcha. Gotcha. (laughs) Cool. So then did you like catch the bug after that? You're like, yes, like I want to be creating film, creating art. So what, yeah. What was the story after that? Absolutely. You know, I was kind of taught myself how to, how to use a camera and edit. There weren't, there wasn't YouTube and there wasn't a million, you know, video tutorials and I didn't go to college and I had no experience or access to to being a part of any productions. So I just kind of taught myself how to put it all together and this show just took off like it, it just caught such a buzz and i had so many major artists and people on it then it just evolved into other things then you know record labels started reaching out to me to do videos or other marketing and you know, i mean there's years that went by but then you know I, I had an office in harlem and then i opened up the first film studio in the bronx and you know did a lot of different things from creating fragrances to marketing to advertising run, running puffs agency doing all the campaigns for Ciroc and sean john and Delion and rebranded yeah. rush car for russell and like just a lot of, of various different things so i i kind of jumped around and helped a lot of other people and served a lot of other brands and now i've gotten to the point in my life where i'm just really focused back in on directing and i mm. knew directing was something that had a producing and creative director and all the other hats i wore direct was the thing that i was most talented at but never gave myself an opportunity to just focus on that and it was the thing that i was most passionate about so now, you know, from here on out, I've kind of done it all and, and yeah. helped a lot of other people along the way. And I'm just focused on making films at this point. So Suicide Saint is going to be my first big feature film. Mm, oh, it's so exciting. Yeah. So it'll be out next year, right? Yeah. Uh, okay. We're looking at 12, 22, 21 as our release okay. date. We're shooting this fall and then probably into the winter. Gotcha. Uh, but it's about, it addresses mental health. Great. And there's two main characters, Vincent Cross and Thomas Metal, who come from completely different backgrounds, but have a lot of very similar overlapping experiences. Um, it's a visually immersive experience in, in understanding their issues. Uh, one of the characters deals with schizophrenia, amongst other things, and then Metal deals with a, a self-identity crisis and PTSD. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, those are topics that need to be addressed more in film and in the media in general, because, you know, I feel like, you know, so, so many people, the majority of us deal with some form of a mental health issue. Some are obviously more severe than others, but the fact that people can't even say like, I'm struggling today and I need help. That's something that needs to change. And it's projects like yours that will um, help to do that. So what drove you to focus on a project that did focus on mental health? You know, like a lot of things in my career, it's like sometimes you have strategy and planning and, you know, you kind of have an objective. But for me, it's like things call me to them, right? Like, because mm-hmm. I'm never an opportunist about art, right? Like yeah. even at the time that I wanted to do Suicide Saint last year when I started developing it, 
everyone around me was saying, you know, why are you doing this film? And I had another IP that we were developing that everyone thought I should have did that first. And nobody wanted me to make this movie. They're just like, this issue is irrelevant and they didn't understand the numbers and, and how serious it was. And now after, you know, this pandemic and historical spikes and suicide and all these other issues that are coming to the forefront, I have some people who have the nerve to ask me like, are you making this film to take advantage of mental health? Like, are you trying to exploit this to make money off of it? So hmm. it's weird that nobody wants to support you when you're creating something different. And then when it is trending, then, um, so, you know, I'm kind of ahead of the curve on it. And I've always been in a lot of my creative, you know, I've introduced things to certain major networks 10 years ahead of time of, of them understanding a, a certain space or content genre. But I've always kind of been behind the scenes, making things happen and never putting myself and a light. Even now with this film, this is the first time I'm doing a press run. Uh, I haven't, I've never done so many interviews, but because it's so tied to something that I feel is important, it's about creating awareness around mental health. And when I started this journey early last year, the, the name came to me first, just the idea of suicide saint. Mm. Um, these two words that didn't go together. And then I started to develop the characters and the story. And I traveled the country researching how mental health impacts different aspects of society. And then I was just blown away by all the things that I learned and discovered and started to understand that every other problem we have in society is derived from mental health. Yeah, I would to agree. Your, to your point, half of the population in the U.S., 46% of adults deal with mental illness at some point in their life. And more than 60% of people don't go to get help. And it's funny, I, was, I had an interview with a a young girl, uh, she was a, a journalist from Pakistan and we did an international Skype interview yeah. and she said that she had so many people, her, her classmates in school and 95% of them didn't go to get help. Yeah. And it, it just like, it just blows my mind that there's things that we know we have an issue with and we're afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to get help. There's a stigma, there's a shame, there's an embarrassment and we're, we're actively categorizing and, and marketing and kind of putting this vibe on something that is just a simple matter of us bettering ourselves. Like we're not mm -hmm. allowed to better ourselves. We can work yeah. on our financial health, our physical health, you know, eat better, all these things. But, you know, God forbid it comes to somebody who wants to improve their mind state that, that regulates their mood, their emotions, their interactions with other people, their isolation, their fear, their anxiety. And then it's absolute shame or you're weak or part of the film having two male leads is because uh, right now for suicide rates, it's 79% males that are killing themselves. Oh my and, goodness. And there's this, pressure of, or the stigma in the black and Latino communities for Latinos, you know, there's this machismo ad attitude. So it's always like, you know, man up or men don't cry or, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's a disgrace to sensitivity. But then at the same time, the world we live in today, you know, sensitivity is at all time high. We've never been more polarized, divided, and there's never been so much aggression and hate. So it, yeah. it, it really is challenging when I'm talking to brands that they want to you know, jump on trends like they're doing social good, but they don't want to get to the real root of the issue, right? Like no, nobody right. wants to talk about mental health. How do you deal with that? If, you know, you have worked for these huge brands and created such successful campaigns, maybe they all don't deal exactly with the roots of the causes that you want to talk about. How do you deal with that? Like in a business sense? Some people are going to come along and, and there's few. Mm -hmm. Most people aren't going to get it. You know, everything is impossible until it's done. And regardless of me having a track record of being successful at everything I've ever done, right? Mm -hmm. In terms of after I turn my life around and I kind of been on this divine path. And I, and I like being on chapter 20 something today because 22 is my favorite number. Okay. Uh, 
and I was kind of dancing around your earlier question because I don't really like to go into the grid of it. But when I was 22 years old, I was shot at 22 times. It was 2.22 in the morning. I still have a 22 slug in my stomach. So oh my it's, gosh. It's like I felt like there was a, from that point, there was like a purpose, right? Like yeah. not only was it miraculous that I survived, but I was chosen for something greater than myself. And this talent that just comes through me that I'm able to create things. So everything I've ever done, I've been successful at being honored by two presidents, yeah, can we talk honor. about that for one second? So in 2014, you were honored by Obama, I would assume, as a champion of change. Yes. Um, so what, oh my God, like, first of all, that's incredible. Like, what an absolute honor. What was that experience like for you? Um, that was cool. <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> uh, uh, it was cool. I mean, I was doing a lot of work leading up to that, that I, I kind of got a, a taste for that lifestyle. Like, you know, prior to that, I was selected by the United Nations and the Inter-American States of, I don't remember the rest of the name of whatever. Yeah, government something, agency, something important. <laughs> but I was, I was selected to be the, the delegate for the U.S. So I, re I represented the United States to 34 countries in the Western Hemisphere. And then we went on, um, all met up, convened in uh, Toronto, and we created toolkits on how to utilize arts for violence prevention. And this is more than a, a decade ago. Finally, now, like in the last year, the U.S., the U.N. has a, a new mandate where they can change the indicating factors in how they address safer cities uh, in the world, right? And mm -hmm. within the different municipalities they work in. And now, you know, there's this whole conversation about defund the police. I don't think the police should be defunded, but I do think there should be a bigger investment in arts and, and other opportunities in communities that define safer cities. Yes. But um, yeah, so going into the White House, it was cool because I was acknowledged before that. And I used to go to the, uh, for the prior president, to the President's Council on Financial Literacy. I did a lot of consulting for, for that uh, President's Council. So uh, the coolest part, I would say, is after that day that I was honored as a champion of change, one of the White House staff members invited me back that night for a private tour of the White House. No uh, I got to go in there when like everything was closed, nobody's there and see the Oval Office. And it was just oh like really God. cool just being in these rooms where uh, so much history happened, right? Over the last 200 years, you had the, all the leaders of the, yeah. of the world kind of convening in those rooms, impacting history. Sometimes not for good. You know, there's a lot of- Sure, yeah. A lot of terrible things that happen from a political perspective, uh, but you know, it's always, it was the, uh, well, I don't want to get into the politics of it, but yeah, that was, that was an incredible honor. And I think it's important to have those milestones because it adds more credibility to your mission. And I think because I always choose the hard route, I, I, that credibility helps, right? Like I never, even with this film, I didn't want to have any A-listers in lead roles. The materials that I'm using for marketing are very controversial. Like I'm creating these uphill battles. I'm turning mm -hmm. down certain money, like a couple of weeks ago, I turned down $4 million because they wanted to switch out my main actor and I'm discovering a, a new talent, right? Like I want to put yeah. this guy in a position because I think he's talented and he, and he deserves it. And he, and he connects to the story of the, of the character. Like I, I wrote this character not knowing, you know, the character's a little spoiler alert here, but you know, the character's father jumps off a building in the beginning of the film. Like he wakes up from this dream, remembering when he was a baby. And in real life, you know, Aviator, his father was killed, shot by police when he was eight years old. So he lost his father at a young age. So wow. it's those type of, that type of emotional authenticity and creating a project where it has a, a real connection because I'm dealing with a subject matter that's so serious that I wanted it to be more about the art and less about the commerce. 
Yeah, you want somebody who understands the story from obviously in a tragic way, you know, they understand it from a personal perspective. And if you're going to tell that story, which, you know, everybody should be telling stories like that, you know, you want it to be done right. And so uh, I'm so appreciative of that. But um, obviously, you're sticking to your values, and you don't seem to waver from them at all. Uh, what about the people around you? Do they just follow your plan? Or are they always like, no, come on, you should do this, you should do that? Like, how do you handle those situations anybody on my team they, what's they up? anybody on my team they know what's up like gotcha good early on in my career you know everyone was a doubter yeah my family yeah like, nobody believed right and i and i think that's my own fault because i set a precedence for who i was and the type of character that you know i was doing all the wrong shit you know like i was caught up in the streets i had you know i've been locked up a million times i had all these run-ins with the law like like people just don't believe in you right um, mm. A part of this film for me is like this idea that every saint have a, has a past, every sinner has a future. You know, the yeah. suicide saint is like the juxtaposition between these two realities. And for each character, there's this war within that they're, that they're battling, right? It's being torn between good and evil. So I think we're all capable of doing better. So but early on in my career, it was a challenge and a challenge and a challenge. And then I think at one point in my hometown, the, the mayor proclamated a day in my name. So there's like Jesus our day. And then I think I, like a little bit after that point, my mother, my brother, like they started to get on board. Like, okay, this isn't a yeah, <laughs> this isn't a fad. This isn't a little hobby. Like, you're you might be like, going so, somewhere like, with this. Oh, the president's con. Okay, maybe we should pay attention now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even when at the time I went to when I got the call from the White House with Obama, a little funny backstory. But at that time, I was this was the first job that I ever had because I was always a self-made entrepreneur. But you know, Puffy's company called a couple of times and I, I turned down their first two offers. And the third time I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll get a little more deeper in advertising. But at that time, it was right around that time I was dropping April showers. I was working with Puff. I had the studio in the Bronx and I got the call to come to the White House. And when I told them there, they were like, um, yeah, could you wear a Sean John suit to the White House? We never had a Sean John suit in the White House. So they, Amazing. You know, they were like, yeah, I was like, I'll wear some Sean John in there. You know, they, they had it all tailored up for me. But it's nice. funny when you, you go from having a lot of doubters to then when you're winning, then everybody's like, they want to be on board. Um, yeah. But I still make it hard for myself now. I mean, now even quitting a job like that where I'm feeding a lot of other people and now I'm in a position where, hey, I want to make this movie and I have to have a handout, right? Because I need help. Like, mm-hmm. I, I got to get the $5 million from somewhere, right, to sh- shoot this film. And I don't want to have any A-listers in it. And I want to do it about mental health. And, you know, dramas are, are the, have the lowest profit potential. Everybody's like, do a horror, do a comedy, do an action, you know, like, so I'm literally picking every of the, of the worst possible scenarios and, and, going to make this successful, you know, to prove people wrong, to create a lane for other artists to make more films like this. Like I'm, I'm fighting a good fight, not to just get in and make money, but making it harder for myself so I can create a movement and create a wave. Cause it's not just about addressing mental health. It's also about changing the, the process in Hollywood and changing this, you know, idea of everything being predicated on profit. So I'm pushing this art over algorithms. Mm. Um, oh, so, I love that. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it has to be like, we have to make the decision to, to back and create content and content creators based on the message. Yeah. Right? Because ultimately you have studios making all this money, record labels making all this money, artists making all this money. And what does society get? Like what's, what's our mm-hmm. collective conscious after this, right? We have a record like WAP, like what does, mm-hmm. what does that do for young girls? What does that, you know? Like, yeah, you're right. That's I, the number one dance going around right now. And listen, like, I, yeah. under, I understand that there's 
a time and a place for everything. Sure. You know, I'm not saying people can't get freaky. People can't have this. They can't have their freedoms. But when it's like the mainstream commercial number one message in society, Mm -hmm. like when there's no balance and this is like, it's just terrible. And I don't think people know how terrible it is because they're getting so sucked into it. But we're we're destroying ourselves. Rome is burning right now. And if we don't wake up and start doing something different, it's just going to continue to get worse. Right. And social media in itself, like, I don't think anybody realized the psychological effects that it would have on us when it first started. But now it's like it's taking a life of its own. And it's not only adults. It's literally these 12-year-old kids who are just consumed by their phone. And what they're taking in and their perception of the world is based on what they see on Instagram and, like, everything. And it's just, uh, it terrifies me. And we need to change it now. And we really do. Because otherwise, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. So fight the good fight. And I love that art over algorithm. Is that a shirt that you're, you are selling right now or? No, but I'll, I'll send you one. Um, I'm not, <gasps> I'm not, yeah, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not selling it at all. Everyone keeps asking me that. And I'm like, if I sell it, it defeats the purpose of the message within the shirt. True to but, your word. Yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. So I, I, you know, I have a couple, I get a couple made up and I get them to friends and in industry to try to promote this, but yeah, I would absolutely love to send you one. Well, thank you. I will wear it with pride. Um, So besides uh, Suicide Saint, you also have a new YouTube series out called Real Talk, right? Yeah, that was the brainstorm of my publicist and and marketing director, uh, Angelo and and Michelle Joyce. And it's a six part series. I don't want to lead anybody on thinking we're going into production and like, um, it's like a limited six part series and we're talking about mental health and the film Suicide Saint. So it's, right. it's a vehicle because I've done so much research and we have all these amazing charity partners. It's a vehicle to get out some of the behind the scenes information in the making of the film and all this other information that I've had the privilege to kind of absorb and, and manifest that it's not directly going to make it into the film because I researched all this stuff to inspire the characters and some of the actions and the story arcs and, you know, getting bits of information in there. But ultimately we want to have a call to action and, access to real resources and help that are going to make a tangible difference in people's lives mm-hmm. beyond just inspiring the you know changing the stigma around mental health and, and people relating to the characters and feeling like it's okay to talk about these issues so the first episode we had uh the cast of the film all of them have gone through some traumatic experiences i talked about the person who plays cross uh andrew jacobs was pulled into foster homes from seven months old and tino who plays skunk in the film was molested by three different family members from the ages of three to 11. I mean, they've all gone through some horrible Terrible stuff. Terrible things, yeah. And, and, it's, and it's amazing that I'm inspired by their strength, by their courage, um, you know, for, even for Antino to be talking about that, you know, live for the world to right. see. Yeah. You know, the series is live so we can get questions and comments. It's such a hassle to do live, especially, you know, digitally and everything, but. Oh, for sure. Um, so it was so much easier just pre-record and edit and get it right, but we wanted it to do it live because we want to be able to engage people in their questions and comments and have everybody respond. And then the uh, second show, we did two already, we did all our impact partners. So we had the United Nations who's back in the film now as part of the 40 Days Safer Cities. We had Dr. Perry and uh, Sean Combs, P. Diddy Puff, however people know him, have partnered up to do the Capital Prep Harlem School and the Bronx School. So Suicide Saint is providing an exclusive opportunity for youth to be on set of the film. It might just be virtually with COVID, but we're also, I have a film school that I founded last year called the Sick Film School. So we're also providing film education for all those kids involved in, in that program. 
And then we have Marissa from the Jordan Porco Foundation who they do, they focus on suicide prevention amongst college students. Mm. And they do a national fresh check day in 250 colleges across 43 states. She founded that organization because she lost her son to suicide when he went away to college. So everybody's, you know, really passionate about what they do. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, Director X was our other guest on the second show. You might know him from his work if you follow like music or the music industry. Uh -huh. he, just, he just dropped the, uh, the new Drake video. He did the pop star video with Drake and Justin. No Lee. way. Uh, oh, so cool. Yeah, so he has, he has the number one video in the world, yet makes time to jump on his platform and talk to us about mental health. Um, he has an organization in Toronto called Operation Prefrontal Cortex, where they're implementing meditation in schools and in police forces. Oh, wow. What a difference that can make if that is something we're actually teaching in schools and yeah, having in police forces too and everywhere, you know, that's a start right there. I think meditation helps so much for me personally. So I don't know sure. if you do it as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, my, my work is meditation, right? Like mm. I'm a lucid dreamer. I'm in constant thought, you know, I'm daydreaming, you know, cause I'm always in a space of discovering creative and, and adjusting ideas and just going into this world. So in a way I'm always at peace and having this breath control and meditation is to get out all the world, right? And just kind of go into the zone where you can calm and control your mind. And I have to do that on a regular to be able to access, you know, the more divine creativity that comes through me. Cause I don't believe that, that we maintain any of this, right? Like throughout history, you have people like Nikolai Tesla, who this guy would wake up from a daydream and just, see the the blueprint for an electric motor or something like just yeah he said he would just see it like it would come to him in his vision he wouldn't even understand it he, he would draw it in the sand wherever he's at and then write oh, a sketch wow. of it and it's like yeah it was just like a visual you know yeah, where does that it, come it would from? just come from his come, mind it, somewhere yeah, yeah. which is not, just not natural you know that's <laughs> no i mean look there's, there's, there's people who have everyone has a different talent and there's people mm -hmm. who have you know when they're able to discover their talent and, and hone in on it you know you can't you can't judge a fish on how well it climbs a tree, right? Like you exactly. Gotta, yeah. You got to apply the opportunity to the people for them to be able to discover what the talent is. But I feel like we all are able to access a genius. You know, we all have this brilliance. Yeah. And for artists, that's why I think it's even more critical that they're they're responsible with that talent and doing something good with it because they've been given the talent of art to be able to create something beautiful that's supposed to help other people in the way they look at themselves and the way they look at the world. Yeah. Right? We're, we're supposed to be creating stuff that raises our, our mood, our vibe, our energy, not mm -hmm. shit that just distracts us and destroys us and defeats us and degrades us. And, you know, in films, mental health is demonized, criminalized. People are portrayed as villains who have an illness. And, you know, in real life, they're 10 times more likely to be the victims. Like, so we're just, we're doing this, this shit to hurt, hurt ourselves and hurt people, hurt more people. It's just, you know, it's a cycle. Uh, somebody, I don't know if I could find it real quick while we're on the show, but yeah, somebody, go ahead. somebody posted something the other day and I was like, man, that's it. That, that's, that's what it was. Um, yeah, right here. Every single person, Charlemagne the God posted this. Shout out to Charlemagne. He's a huge advocate of mental health. Every single person you meet is either repeating a cycle of generational trauma or carrying the burden of breaking cycles. Mm, that's so true. Yeah, we, I mean, look, I was amazed when... You know, earlier you asked about, you know, people who doubt and, you know, who, who gets on board. But I was amazed when I went to, out to, and I won't say the names and people, I don't want to put their personal information in the spot, but like celebrities and, 
influencers, a lot of people that you know, and I would go to them personally and talk to them about this film. And I'd have some, like one person told me he lost three uncles to suicide. Like right. every, every or another person who's really, really big industry, his niece uh, committed suicide. Like everybody is impacted by this, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's, it's just something we keep private. And I, and I think if we realized, each one of us realized how much that everyone else is dealing with it, we wouldn't feel so alone in that pain. And we, exactly. we, we, we can talk to each other about it to help ease some of that pain. Exactly. And the way to ease the pain is through conversation. And I think that unfortunately, but it's how our society works, the way we allow conversations to happen is through what we see on TV or on the big screen. Absolutely. So you're starting the conversation, you're getting it out there. And I think that's going to help a lot of people, you know, and the way that you and your cast and your crew have taken their tragedies and their struggles and turning it into something that's going to help the world. That's just incredible. Uh, I have one more, two more questions for you, if that's okay. Sure. Um, one, what is your process like on set? You know, I come from an acting background too, and I'm always interested in like knowing what your style as a director is and working with everybody around you. My, my favorite part of production is, is blocking. Oh, interesting. The script and, 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 and the story and the creative and, you know, especially for this film, we're doing so much in, in art department and production design and wardrobe. I mean, it's just insane, the creative energies that are, you know, the synergies between, you know, shout out to David Zambrano, our costume designer. Shout out to, to Larry, our, uh, he's been writing the script with me and, and Ryan, Ryan St. Clair. It's, it's, for me, when I'm on set, there's just like a zone. You know, I, I like to say directing is my heroine, shooting makes the pain go away. Cause mm. when, you're, when you're just like, when you're in that moment and you're working with actors and for this film, I'm doing a lot more in pre-production, so it's a lot more planning, but throughout my career of directing stuff, a lot of things I had to do on the fly, but I'm really comfortable in that space as well. Yes. You know, you walk into, the last film I did at Asia Mile was a featurette. We shot 32 actors in 20 locations in five days. So it was like, Damn. And we, and we had less than a week of pre-production going into it. I wrote the script in three days. I was coming back from Seattle. All these guys that I had worked with, all these really amazing Asian rappers, we decided to throw this film together. And for me, it's fun when you come into a space and you have the scene there, the dialogue, and, and you're thinking about not only the movement of the actors and the movement of the camera, but the timing and the position of everything, right? Because mm -hmm. it's one thing to plan it all out. And, and pre-production is another thing when you're on set and you're in a zone and you're making it work. You know, th this actor has to stand on this line or turn on this line or because everything is also communication in the body language. It's not just, hey, what does he say, what he does and what context it gives to the viewer and understanding where the story is going. It's really about what is the power structure in, in that frame, you know, right. visually from what the lines are, from, you know, what the colors are, from what the mood is. So does he, does he need to raise up above this person? Does he need to turn? Does he need to show vulnerability even when he's speaking, you know, a word of power and strength? So there's all these intricacies that impact our psychology and understanding what's going on that I just love getting into that and working with talented actors who not only understand that, but appreciate it and then try to take it a step further. So, you know, yes. film for me is just such a beautiful art form where people are able to be vulnerable and expressive and they're able to inspire other people. And I don't, I don't see anything more powerful in the world in terms of art, in terms of having that like connection. What's, music takes second fiddle to that because a film could not be a film without music. Music absolutely gives the emotional context of how we think that character is feeling or how we should feel about that scene emotionally. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, there's really so much, you know, when you think about it, that goes into even one scene, one minute of a film. There's just all, all the choreography of the cameras and the actors and the yeah. music. And oh, I just, I love it so much. But it really, it just tells a story in such a crazy important way, whatever it is, you know? Yeah, I'm glad that you can relate on that because I love it. And I love talking to people about it. So obviously you work with a lot of kids now. You like working with your film school and giving them all these opportunities. So what is the piece of advice that you give to them if they're looking to start out in a film career? What do you tell them? I tell them that to find their voice, especially if they want to be a filmmaker. You know, don't go with the trends. Don't go with like, I don't care how different you are. If your friends think you're a weirdo, whatever, find your voice because your unique voice is what makes you special and what makes you different is what, you know, that's, that's how you're going to elevate your art, right? Mm -hmm. and, you, and you think about some of the greatest voices in cinema and how different they were at their time, you know, from the Tarantinos to the Stanley Kubricks to uh, Orson Welles said an artist should never be in step with his time, right? Like, it's just, I, I, I think, you know, for, for you today, you know, fi find your voice and, and focus on that and then use storytelling cameras and all these different tools. It doesn't matter what tools you use, but just, you know, stay true to your voice. When you come from adversity, it gives you more opportunity to create something inspiring. Some of the greatest artists in history, whether they're poets, comedians, had a lot of internal pain, a lot, a lot of things they're doing, musicians. Everybody has this battle, but these, these are people who elevated to the top of their industry, right? Like in, in fashion, Alexander McQueen, Kate Spade, or, or comedians, Robin Williams. Um, all these people deal with this, this pain, but have such a high level of brilliance. So you, you really gotta, uh, and I'm sorry to kind of that's okay. Taking an idea from from the idea of what I talk to these kids about, but I'm just now I'm just going back in general to your That's audience. That's okay. Go ahead. Of, yeah. Of the the connection between art and, and mental health, right? Mm -hmm. That's the main message. Yeah, yeah. Part part of it for me is that there's brilliance in flaws in of themselves. Like you look at a film like Rain Man, the, the, the fact that the character Dustin Hoffman character had autism, but this guy was a math genius. He was able to memorize a phone book. He was able to count toothpicks that fell on the floor in an instant, like right. 900 toothpicks. Like there's a lot of people who have this unexplainable genius, un unexplainable brilliance, but then these outwardly flaws, whether they're perceived as illness or whether we just have artists like Kanye West, right? We just have irregularities in their, in their mood or their spontaneousness. But without that, they wouldn't be as creative or as brilliant. So you got to take the good with the bad. But for young kids, for youth, I would say, try to use all your obstacles and, and turn your obstacles into opportunities. Absolutely. And that's not, that doesn't even go for young kids only, you know, that's for everybody, you know, yeah. like, yeah, you have your story, you have, you have your background and, you know, use it. You're the only one who has lived your life. So why not tell a great story from it? Um, and you really seem to be doing just that. And thank you for being someone who really sticks to your word and to your values and is really creating good work in this world. Um, so Jesus, where can people find you and your work? jesusr.com or all, all my social social media youtube facebook instagram is all at jesusr which is h-e-z-u-e-s-r perfect and we'll look forward to suicide saint next year um and we'll have to catch up on all of your projects that have already been released too thank you so much for your time um i truly truly appreciate it and yeah i can't wait to see what's next for you thank you kylie i appreciate it of course all right have a great um, day. You too.